family. How are you today? It is such a pleasure to be with you um, this morning. Today, I actually have the privilege to speak to you about something that is incredibly important to me, and it has been something that has been incredibly important in my walk with the Lord. Um, a few weeks ago, you may have heard how our small community of Pearl River was rocked by a tragedy um, in which two high school students lost their lives in a car wreck. As more news unraveled about the details concerning the accident and the students involved, I couldn't help but grieve the tremendous loss that these families, friends, high school students, and the community at large was about to endure. I live pretty close to the crash site, and all day I kept hearing sirens. And reports were popping up all over social media, and the reality of what had just occurred was only beginning to surface. Before the details of the case were officially released, I saw hundreds of people post on social media about the accident with words like this, prayers for the first responders dealing with this wreck, prayers for those involved, prayers for the victims and their families, how awful, praying. On and on and on the posts went with messages of similar intent. This community rallied together to offer up prayers for the victims, their friends, their families. Those outside of Pearl River joined in. One particular post from the Nanuet community was vividly memorable. Our hearts are with you today, Pearl River. And another, we all bleed blue and white today. And blue and white are the colors of the Pearl River High School. When I was in high school, and I actually attended Pearl River, um, we experienced almost the exact same horrific situation. And I remember thinking, how can such pain and a situation that doesn't make any sense, how can it bring people together like this? How can such kindness and empathy come out in such darkness? I asked those questions as a 16-year-old, and now as an adult, I know the answer. We need each other. As humans, we want to be seen. We want to be validated. We want to be acknowledged. We want to be part of something bigger than ourselves. And while we never, ever want to experience a tragedy of that magnitude, the community rallied together because no one should have to suffer alone. The last post I'll share said this. We are a community. We reach out to each other in love and understanding, with tolerance and patience. We are a community. We do not grieve alone. We are Pearl River. Church, we are in need of community. Even more so, we are in need of a praying community. When we talk about prayer, it is absolutely important to foster that individual connection with Jesus. But I do believe that since God created us for community, there's also this pivotal element to our walk where we need to trust, rely, and depend on one another. There's this pivotal element of our walk that comes in fostering a community with eyes focused on Jesus. Today, as we continue in our series on prayer, I'd like to focus specifically on what it means to be part of a praying community. 
and how there are these specific examples throughout the Bible that prove just how important a praying community is in deepening our relationship with Jesus. So I want to begin with prayer, <laughs> and then we'll dive right in. Look at that. Look at how that works. Um, Jesus, God, I, I thank you so much for this community. I thank you for the people who are sitting here and the families that are represented. And God, I just ask right now that you meet us exactly where we are. I thank you that you are a God who sees us, who hears us, and above all, a God who loves us, who desires to be a part of our family, who desires to be in community with us. Jesus, whatever it is that we need to hear, may it be your words. And it's in your precious and mighty name that we pray. Amen. So today we're going to take a look at three questions. Why are we called in, to be in community? Why are we called to pray? And why are we called to pray in community? Notice how I did that. Look at that. I'm a teacher, so I'm breaking things down for you. <laughs> All right, so first, why are we called to be in community? Well, humanity at its core is in need of connection, both with God and with others. And when we look to the start of humanity, we don't have to look any further than in Genesis 1 and 2. Now, in his magnificence, in this brilliant plan, God creates man. And in Genesis 2, verse 18, he says, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. And so when creating us, God never intended for us to be alone. I'm going to let that sit for a second. When creating us, God never intended for us to be alone. He also didn't just create us to be his little robots. Um, he wanted a relationship with us. He wanted to be in community with humanity. Uh, Carissa Quinn, over at the Bible Project, she writes, God did not just want humans to relate to him as his puppet servants, but as his partners, connected to him and ruling on his behalf. Now, the story continues in Genesis 2, verse 25. Both the man and his wife were naked, yet felt no shame. Okay, so in other words, this ideal picture that God intends for community is one of relational safety. It's one of vulnerability. It's one of trust. And it's one of acceptance. And, and I know that we're talking about physical nakedness here, but I, I think there's something more here to that. I think there's something beyond that. The creation accounts, they're filled with God repeatedly saying that everything he made was good, except for the loneliness of man. God said it was not good for man to be alone, so he made Eve. And the relationship that flows out of that was one of intense trust and vulnerability, and it was completely free of shame. God said, this was good. Now, unfortunately, we know what happens next. Um, soon after, there's mistrust, there's doubt, there's fear and anxiety and shame, and a very human response leads to the fall. Yet, rather than have the story end there, 
we actually have this beautiful story that develops God's perfect plan to include humanity in his perfect community of love. I mean, think about it. We worship a God who is three in one. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Three in one, perfect community, perfect harmony. So really, it shouldn't surprise any of us that we're drawn to community because God himself is community. And so it is in this community that we begin to understand more about ourselves, more about each other, and of course, more about Jesus. Which leads me to the next question. So why are we called to pray then? What's that all about? Now, last week, Pastor Tim introduced us in this series, and he talked a little bit about that. Um, And so I just want to add to that. But at the core of who we are as followers of Jesus, he's calling us to enter into relationship, right? The reason that we pray is because this is how we were taught to remain connected to the source. This is how Jesus showed us to remain connected to the Father. And we enter into that connected relationship through prayer. I mean, really, prayer at its simplest form, it's conversation, right? Prayer is conversation. And so for us as humans on this earth, prayer is our chance to engage in conversation with our Heavenly Father. Prayer is an invitation into community with the Father. I mean, think about that. When we have conversations with people, how do we get to know them? Do we just kind of stand around and stare at each other? I mean, I've been in plenty of communities where that happens and gets a little awkward, but we we work through it. No, we, we communicate. We talk. We get to know that person. We ask questions. We encourage. We validate. We support. We have conversation. And so prayer is this invitation where we can do that with the Father. And we have several, several instances where we're instructed on how to pray in the Bible. Um, Jesus, in his time on earth, he spends much of his time praying himself, but also teaching others how to pray. And in Matthew 6, verses 5 through 15, uh, Jesus kind of gives us an instructional what to do, what not to do when praying. Um, I actually, in a previous sermon, focused on the what not to do, so you can go check that out if you want. But today, I really want to frame our conversation on what to do, because I think the what to do helps frame the why we do this. And so, in slide, up oh, in slide, excuse me, this is my notes. <laughs> in verse 9, this is what we are told on the how to pray. And so we get the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Here's the key. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. When you notice the beginning of this prayer, it starts with our Father. 
And I think it's really crucial that we zone in on that, our Father. For most of my walk as a Christian, I have been able to have this understanding that I can come to Jesus as Father, that I have access to that relationship, that I can qualify my relationship with him as a daughter, as a child, right? But if you think about this, I think sometimes we take that for granted. Um, because if you think about from an Old Testament perspective what this must have been like, you know, they were able to look at God as Lord and King. But this, this is a, a loving acknowledgement that He is Father and it shifts the alignment of the people entirely. So not only is He Lord and King, He is Father. This type of prayer that brings us into community with him. And as Jesus is teaching us how to pray, what to pray for, we begin to understand the why. And and it's to deepen our relationship with him. It's to deepen this intimacy that we are all so desperately yearning for. Author Robert Deffenbaugh, um, he writes this, God as Father is a two-way relationship. As Father, He loves us, and we honor Him. He protects, and we abide. He provides, and we give thanks. He instructs, and we emulate. He disciplines, and we mature. He touches, and we respond. He commands, and we obey. So this entire prayer pattern that we're given, it is both for the individual pursuit, but there's a community focus in that also. I want us to pay attention specifically to verses 12, 14, and 15. Would you actually mind going back to that slide? I think it's the one before uh, the Lord's Prayer. Yeah, so line 12, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And then verses 14 through 15. The theme is forgiveness. And I think it's important to mention that because I think that this is something that I have come to, to find is um, not only foundational for our walk, but I think it's transforming. There is transformation that happens when we understand how to forgive, Um, which leads to the last question, and I promise I'll I'll make this connect. Um, Why are we called to pray in community? There we go. (laughs) Um, As humans, we have flaws. We make mistakes. The first humans, they provided evidence of that, as I mentioned earlier. Um, We are hurting, and in that hurt, we hurt others. We are called to pray in community, to be part of a praying community, because even in our flaws, our Father in heaven is working on us, and he's giving us an opportunity to work on ourselves through connection. He is walking us through pain, through the trial and errors. He's walking us through the mess um, because he cares too much and too deeply to allow us to stay broken. And so in his great forgiveness of our sins, he's leading us to learn how to forgive others and he's giving us an opportunity to forgive ourselves. 
Because in that great work of forgiveness, that's where we see growth. That's where we see intimacy with God. Community, this is an outlet for which we can experience transformation. We get to walk with people in their stuff, in the good, in the bad, in the not so, so great, but we get to do it together. Rob Deffenbaugh also writes this, Jesus, this is talking about the Lord's Prayer, Jesus tells us to pray in first person plural, our Father. Prayer, even in private, is to have a community focus. We could pray for our needs, of course, but it must not stop there. We are to be intercessors. We pray give us, and we are asking for the Father's provision for family, friend, and foe. We pray forgive us and seek reconciliation with the Father and among ourselves. We pray lead us and deliver us because we all need proper guidance and protection. I felt the need to include that because that really struck me as something that I have seen in my own walk, something that I've seen um, the most growth in my own experience where I begin to look outside of myself and I begin to look outward. I begin to stop living in my mess and look at how I can ask others to come in and to walk alongside me. And the beauty in all of this is that Jesus ensures us that he will never leave us nor forsake us. So even if we are afraid of community, or maybe we've been hurt so deeply by community, the truth is, is that Jesus is still present. And he is going to reveal himself to us as we navigate living together in a praying community. When I was preparing for this, I was trying to find instances in the Bible where it really talks about community, and Anna actually affirmed this for me, that it's really hard to find like the perfect illustration or the perfect passage. And as we were talking about before, it's because it was supposed to exist already. And I, I know <laughs> Kelsey had some help in that conversation too, um, because it, it already exists. And as I'm thinking about what they're saying, and, and I was, as I was preparing for this, I think the most powerful example I can think of is um, in Acts during Pentecost. So I want to give you a little bit of context here, and then I'll, I'll tie it together. So before Jesus actually ascends to heaven, he tells his disciples to wait. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. We find that in Acts uh, chapter 1, verse 8. And then when Pentecost arrives, everyone is, is gathered together, and they hear this sound like this mighty rushing wind, and it fills the house where they are gathered. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each of them, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven, and at this sound the multitude came together. And they were bewildered, because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? And so Jesus, again, says to wait. 
He ascends. A few days later, the Holy Spirit descends on the apostles, and the responses vary from suspicion to amazement. And then good old Peter comes in. Peter comes in. He speaks to the masses, and 3,000 people were baptized. Can you visualize that for a second? 3,000 people. But the story doesn't end there. Verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and together and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And watch this. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. There's a lot to unpack there. But if that is not the most beautiful picture of what a praying community could look like, I don't know what it is. They have the guidance of Jesus and the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Jesus is present. The community comes together and they have a singular focus. Care for one another, love one another, seek after God's presence, and be kingdom focused. And notice, they're not alone. Not only are they physically there together, but they're moving under the guidance of the Holy Spirit. And 3,000 plus are affected. 3,000 plus are changed. When we talk about the importance of being a praying community, this is what it boils down to. We cannot do this alone. We cannot bear the sin and the pain of this world alone. We cannot deal with our personal and familial burdens alone. And most importantly, we cannot do the work of the kingdom that needs to be done alone. So through these questions that I've kind of posed to you, we have decided, okay, so Jesus directs us on um, why we should pray, kingdom expansion, how to pray, the Lord's Prayer, and what to pray for. That's furthering our relationship with him. And praying in community, it affords us this opportunity to grow deeper in connection with one another. And I do think that that is a springboard for knowing and and understanding not only how to relate to one another, but how to relate to Jesus. Galatians 6, verse 2 says, Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. I feel like I'm a little bit of a broken record, but I'm going to say it one more time. God did not intend for us to live in isolation. God did not intend for us to do this alone. He designed us to crave 
and thrive in relationship with others. We get the privilege, and it is, it is a privilege to walk alongside one another in our journey. We can bear one another's burdens. We can do what God is calling us to individually. We can do that in connection with others who also want to see that come to fruition. So sometimes I I feel like we get this picture, this dream, and we're like, God, it's too big. I cannot do that alone. That's too risky. That's too scary. Or no, 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 no. You can't possibly pick me for that. I'm not ready for that. And because he's gracious, because he's kind, because he loves us, no, he does give us that call. But he's not going to ever leave us. He will never leave us or forsake us. And he's going to put people in our lives who are going to help walk alongside us so that we can fulfill this. When I look at some of the greatest successes of my life, I look at the people who were around me. When I look at some of the most challenging seasons of my life, I look at the people who were around me. In both cases, I had people who were championing me to be better, to get better. I had people challenging me lovingly, sometimes very directly, um, because apparently I needed that. Um, But it was very direct. (laughs) I had people around me encouraging me. Um, And I I want to be careful about this. Um, You know what? We go through really difficult things, really painful things. And and when I say encourage, I don't mean just a pat on the back. I mean, you know, the best types of encouragement I had were people just sitting next to me and letting me cry. And that was okay. You don't need to say anything. There's not this perfect list of things that we can say or should say. I think sometimes we just need to honor the presence of the Holy Spirit, and we need to honor each other. When I think of how a praying community has changed me, I thank God that he knew exactly who needed to speak into my life and when. I thank God that he equipped me with a call that he knew I couldn't do alone, but he was going to put people in my life who helped me to get to where I needed to be. Some of those people sitting in these seats right now. I also thank God for the really difficult seasons of community. Um, The pain and the hurt can be really overwhelming in community. I didn't want to cry. (laughs) Um, But even though I felt like there were times where people had failed me, or I failed myself, or I failed others, I matured. When I sought after forgiveness, I grew when I was the one asking for forgiveness. I grew in my understanding of of grace, and I feel like I'm growing to be more like him. We have tangible opportunities as the church to engage in this praying community. We have our river communities. We have outreach opportunities, some that were just described before. 
We have our various ministries, River Kids, River Youth, River Women. These are very physical opportunities that we can walk alongside the leadership and take part in as a praying community. But I know very well that there were times in my life where I couldn't get to those physical locations. I had two kids back to back. I think I blacked out a lot of their beginning <laughs> days because it was crazy. Um, and it was, it was hard to leave the house. But that shouldn't have given me an excuse or an out because there's still ways to get plugged in even if we cannot physically be here. So I, I wanted to um, impress upon you how important I think it is that even if we can't physically come together as the church all the time, there are still ways that we can get plugged in as a community. So I, I added that as well. Um, the next slide. Yeah, there we go. So I know there are many times that Pastor Tim has um, come before us and said, hey, church, there's a need whether that was a need for the church itself or if it was a need for a family. Um, I remember vividly taking out my phone and I was asked, put in this date, pray for this person at this time um, where we can come together corporately and pray for something. Again, maybe not all together physically, but spiritually we are all aiming for the same thing. Uh, I know in recent years, I have um, learned how to send group texts <laughs> um, about prayer requests. Hey, I have something going on on this night, and, and I really need covering. I need you to stand with me in this. Um, I just discovered the app Marco Polo. It is very difficult to upkeep. Um, there's a lot of videos to watch. but. That has been an opportunity for me to get connected with some people here and say, hey, look, I'm, I'm struggling. Um, my most recent example, well, not most recent, but the day before school started, um, like I said, I'm a school teacher. I had some kind of flu-like symptoms, and I was like, ah, I have school tomorrow. Please pray, pray, pray. And I had people covering me. And I woke up that next day totally fine. Totally, totally fine. Um, we have children and teens, some in this room, some in River Kids right now, um, part of our, our River Youth. We can join together as a church and be praying, covering over them. Not just during the meeting times, but throughout the week. Um, Anna has done an impeccable job of aligning our curriculum for the kids with what we're learning here. And those are opportunities that we can invest in our kids and be praying for our kids that the message that you are hearing is one that they can receive as well. You can pray for our pastor. I know we're really good about that, that we, we want to bless Tim and we want to bless Sarah and their family. Um, but this shouldn't just be a one-time thing. Uh, this is something that I think... Um, is so important, not only because Pastor Jim loves words of encouragement, <laughs> but I think it's so important to cover this family because of how much they devote to us and how committed they are to this place um, and to the work, to kingdom work. We can pray for our local leaders, our neighbors, our schools, for souls to be saved, pray to see the kingdom advance. 
being part of a praying community doesn't have to be difficult, but it does have to be intentional. And being a part of a praying community for me has not only transformed my relationship with others, but it has allowed me to engage in relationship with Jesus in a powerful, life-altering way. Um, because through these praying community opportunities, I have been supported and encouraged and affirmed. I stepped out into things that I would have absolutely said no to if it was just me. But because I had people around me who lovingly encouraged me and lovingly challenged me, um, I was able to grow in ways that would not have been possible had I done this on my own. And so what I'd like to encourage you in today is to take this opportunity today, this week, to gather people around you who are willing to be part of your praying community. Um, we were given a gratitude journal. As you practice your gratitude journal, think of people that you can be praying for. Um, because while it is important to be on the receiving end of this praying community, it is just as important to be that person for someone else. And as we near the end of our time together today, we have a very real opportunity to serve as a praying community, uh, both through the taking of communion together as a church and in the giving and receiving of prayer. Um, we will have people up front who are willing to pray for you, and I just want to share very, very quickly um, when I had first started my walk, the thought of walking up in front of a church and getting prayer for everyone to see was terrifying. Because um, not only did it force me to get out of my comfort zone, out of my seat, out of my, my safe sphere, it forced me to acknowledge that I needed to share with another person. And so I, I would like to encourage you today that if that is something that you've never done or something that you feel like the Holy Spirit is, is kind of gently nudging you to do, I would encourage you to seek after that. I would encourage you to, to take a risk. I also want to encourage us, um, even where we're sitting, if, if getting up right now is, is too much, um, let's be the people we needed when life was really difficult. Let's be that person who, when you were going through your most challenging time, you could have used someone who could just sit next to you. Hold your hand, or maybe not hold your hand, just, just sit with you. Let's be that person who lovingly challenges. I see that you're doing this, and I really feel like there's a call in your life. I feel like the Lord is doing something in this. Can I, can I talk to you about this? Um, be the person that you were so desperate for and make sure that you are listening to the Holy Spirit and you are listening to where he is moving. Because again, this, this is not the Danielle show. This is not your show. This is about being in tune with where God is moving and being that, that person um, who also is listening and is abiding um, in what God is doing. So let's be here for one another. Mm -hmm.